Hello and welcome to La Liga Lowdown. It is a recap of match day four. We are back after the international break. We've got six games to recap, so make sure you tune in to all the podcasts to hear about all those matches. I'm joined today by Rory Barlow. How are you, Rory? Yeah, I'm excellent. Good to be back. Nice to have a little international break, but uh, better to have La Liga back. Absolutely right. As I say, only six games to cover this weekend. There are two on Monday, but uh, six for us to cover in this edition of the podcast. There should have been eight, but two were postponed. Rory, do you want to just give us a quick update on why that was? Yeah, so it was due to the international break. The players essentially, having squeezed an extra game into this international period, they were arriving late. I think some of the games in South America were still taking place on Friday. And so some of the some of the clubs naturally complained that they didn't have their players available and it was unfair to force them to play within that time. La Liga was also in agreement with this and decided that they would thus postpone some of their games. And Javier Tebas, of course, is at the centre of this. And Luis Rubiales, as anything that Tebas is for, Rubiales is against, of course, president of the Federation. Luis Rubiales complained about this and said that they wouldn't be postponing things as as they didn't see a, a necessary reason. The matter couldn't be solved between the two of them. Shock, no surprise there. And so it went to the, the Spanish Ministry for Sport, the CSD, who decided that there was not enough reason to postpone the matches. And so, or there was sufficient reason to postpone the matches, sorry. And yes, we, we, we have another battle between Tebas and Rubiales. Tebas won this time, but I'm sure we'll be back uh, commentating on that again before too long in October international breaks. Yeah, this one could rumble on for the next couple of windows with those extra fixtures scheduled for those South American teams. Well, the six games that did take place, let's have a quick recap of the results. Started off in Valencia, Levante looked like they were going on for a win, but uh, Rayo equalised in the dying moments for Sergio Guardiola on debut. So Rayo took a point there. It's again six points dropped from Levante from winning positions this season. And we'll hear from Paco very soon about all things Valencia and Levante. Later that day, Athletic Club got a pretty convincing 2-0 win over Mallorca. Iker Munayin assisting two goals there as Iñaki Williams played his 300th game for the club. Then on to Sunday, Atletico Madrid was struggling. At half-time in Coronilla, they were behind. Raul de Tomas had scored for Espanyol, but in the second half, Simeone's changes made the difference with Yannick Carrasco and Toma Lemar in the 99th minute getting a win for Cholo's men. Then Valencia, as we will hear from Paco very soon, they won 4-1 at El Sadar, a really emphatic victory away from home for them. We'll hear all about that very soon. Stay tuned. Then Real Sociedad, another couple of uh, second half goals from Mikel Oyazabal were enough to get the victory away at Cadiz. And then in the final game of Sunday, it was a barnstormer at the Santiago Bernabeu, the first game back for well over a year, over 560 days. Real Madrid running out 5-2 winners over Celta, but they were behind twice, and we'll hear from Hassan Karim on that exciting game, so stay tuned for that as well. But first, we are starting with a surprise package in La Liga this season. It is the Valencians, and we will hear from Paco. But first, here's some commentary of their wing wizard, Gonzalo Guedes. it down beautifully on the chest Geddes still goes for power and if there was any doubt 
about who scored Valencia's second goal. There is no question who has scored this one. It is a beauty from Gonzalo Guedes. I'm joined here by Paco Polit, our resident expert on Valencia and all things Valencian community. How are you doing, Paco? Hi, mate. Uh, pretty well after this weekend, even though we've had uh, plenty of happiness for Valencia fans. Not so much for Levante fans who once again saw how their uh, hard-earned three points uh, were over in the last minutes of the of the game, in the proverbial last minutes of the game after Rayo got the, the leveler. But overall, it was a positive weekend, overall, in Valencia. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And we just heard Gonzalo Getch score that wonderful third goal for Valencia against Osasuna. But we're going to start with Levante and the, the rougher weekend in Valencia. They, they had an interesting summer window. They were a bit restricted in terms of wages. They brought in Scotchan Mustafi, Enrique Franquesa and Roberto Soldado. They'll be all right, won't they? Because there were definitely issues that they could have addressed in defence. Yeah, definitely. I, I believe that uh, Levante's market hasn't been um, as good as it should, even though it, it was off to a promising start after they were able to bag Roberto Soldado, which was uh, one of the you know, of the gems in, in the market, even though he's a veteran striker, 36-year-old, if I recall correctly. Um, he got injured after match day one, and that's been a, a problem. But later, yeah, Franquesa was uh, um, a good signing for them, but they waited too long and they weren't able to get rid of some players which they surely wanted to, uh, you know, uh, transfer to, to other sites and they were unable to. Actually, this weekend, uh, we saw the, the first team debut uh, in La Liga, because he had already played for Levante in Copa del Rey of Pepelu, who is a, a youth academy midfielder. Uh, many fans actually uh, ask for more minutes and more chances for him, but, uh, you know, Paco Lopez, uh, to this point, hasn't really uh, trusted him. In and obviously Mustafi, who has been the last uh, signing after the market was already closed. But overall, I think that Levante needed more uh, reinforcements. He, they needed to strengthen their midfield, they needed to get yet another striker, because even though they have good attackers, they need some sort of number nine who is able to slot them in and they sure needed uh, to build up more uh, defenders to get more players in that positions in those positions because at this point I believe it's Levante's weakest, weakest spot you know central uh, defenders uh, we've seen players such as Koke who aren't going to have their opportunity so overall Levante has a very have a very very strong midfield uh, Good strikers overall, but a very weak defense, and that was what ultimately made them to lose two points against Radio. Yes, yeah, certainly, and that's something that's reflected in a recent piece that we did on the La Liga Lowdown website, myself and Tom Harris, reviewing every transfer window for every club. But back to Levante, they they drew against Rayo, and it was, it was a late equaliser, perhaps unfair on Levante, maybe. But as a wider question... Is the relationship between Paco Lopez and Levante going a bit stale or is this just another blip like we saw last season? Um, first up, I don't think that it was undeserved for Rayo. I, I think overall, actually, they were better than, than Levante. They were the better team in the second half. They got 22 shots 
obviously only six of them uh, on target, but overall uh, Rayo were attacking quite a lot and they deserve at least to get a goal. The main problem, the main issue for Levante was that they conceded in the little last minute. So uh, that's what made uh, some of the fans in Ciudad de Valencia to, you know, to whistle and to boo the the manager ultimately because Paco Lopez was in the center of their target. Okay, but uh, possibly so. There's a, a segment of the fans, of Levante fans, who believe that Paco Lopez hasn't been really able to evolve his style and that the gung-ho attacking football which he showed in his first season or his first 10-12 games in Levante when he was put in charge of the side in, um, if I recall correctly, March 2018, uh, he has never been able to build up on that. Okay, because Levante's seasons overall have been like roller coasters. They started, for example, last year very, very badly. They were able to get an incredible streak of results, but in their last 10, 12 games, they were absolutely awful. Once they crossed that 40 point uh, milestone, they just relaxed. They were unable to keep their uh, concentration high, and that meant that the opposition had it very, very easy to beat them. And uh, that's currently the, the issue this, this season, um, because they were unable to win once again. Three draws, they only lost once, but at the same time, only three points out of 12 is very worrisome, especially if you add the last few games of last year. Uh, overall, it's 12 games without winning, and obviously there's quite a lot of unrest between the fans. For once, there's less worries at Paterna and at Mastaya with Valencia. I'm not even going to set this up as a particularly pointed question. I just want your impressions, Paco. What's it like being sort of part of the Valencia entorno and, and sort of finding your team doing so well at the start of the season after so long where they've, frankly, just not? Well, Mr. Barlow, I have to admit that it's quite <laughs> nice for once because we've been suffering for quite a long time already since uh, mm -hmm. September 2019 um, it's been the, the two years uh, mark already crossed uh, since that September 11th when uh, Valencia or better said Meriton I always insist in this I do it whenever I rant in Spanish I do it whenever I, I talk over, over here with you guys in La Liga Load and I always try to insist that Valencia are one thing and they're bored their management, Meriton Holdings, is another one. So in September 2019, Meriton Holdings were the ones to sack Marcelino, to destroy a project and to ultimately, you know, tear down the building. That's what happened with Marcelino and later going um, for Mateo Alemán, who also had to leave, Pablo Longoria, who also had to leave. So everything was torn down to pieces. And from that point onward, it's been two miserable years, hands down, like... No contest in that in that sense, and that's why after you asked me your question, it's you know refreshing to finally be able to enjoy Valencia games, seeing a recognizable squad, seeing a recognizable playstyle, and finally seeing a manager who knows what to do. Like Bordalas is the worthy successor of Marcelino in the sense that the playstyle is very similar, the attitude is very similar, the way he's being to trying to get the, the players into a pack to form a family inside the locker room trying to get everyone involved trying to bring from the brink of um, extension players such as Gonzalo Guedes who seemed 
awful at the beginning of last season and in the last two, three months of the 2021 year and in the first four games of this one, he's been absolutely unstoppable. And that has to be a merit of the coach. That has to be necessarily a merit from Jose Bordalas, who has been able to finally get Maxi Gomez once again into the fold. He's motivated. The Uruguayan striker scored once again after quite a few games um, this past weekend. And overall, he managed to go over to El Sadar, beat Osasuna, who had been unbeaten to this point in La Liga this season, and do it with four goals in spectacular fashion. So overall, I think Valencia fans are super happy and they have many reasons to be so. Yeah, and it's something that even I've enjoyed from afar. Obviously, I'm not quite as um, invested as you guys are, but it's it's refreshing to see Valencia sort of taking on that role of, of being a, a big club and a challenge for other teams that they maybe weren't last season. You did you mentioned Marcelino and the sort of destruction of a project by Meriton. Is there a way that Bordelas can build something here despite Meriton, or is it partido a partido and we'll, we'll see what happens? Um, Bordalas got asked actually that question in the press conference after the game. Um, I think that his attitude to this point is just uh, going, as you said, uh, game after game, partido a partido, and trying to uh, pick up as many points as possible in the in the beginning of the season. Mostly because we've seen that uh, Valencia are a side who rely heavily in, on streaks, and those can be both positive and negative. At this point, I have to say that. It surely seems that Valencia have been touched by the magic wand and everything is going according to plan. Uh, with the exception of a few injuries, for example, uh, Sherishev had problems in his knee and he had to uh, be subbed against Osasuna. Jose Luis Gaya also finished the game with uh, a few, um, I don't know, I would say pain in, in his, in his uh, leg because he had also been injured, uh, gotten injured again uh, in the game played uh, with the Spanish national side. Overall, if we leave that aside, everything is going according to plan. Every single player is putting their expertise on top of the table. Guedes is on fire. Maxi is scoring. Carlos Soler is being the leader that everyone knew, at least in my case, everyone, we expected him to be one of those kinds of players being able to just carry the whole team in his, in his on his back. So overall, and also I have to speak necessarily about the the VAR rulings in the game against Asasuna, ultimately they all benefited Valencia. Because in this case, you know, um, the offside and the um, referee calls ultimately were all in Valencia's favor because the VAR ruled so. So everything is uh, in that kind of uh, positive, uh, constructive mood and... You know, Valencia fans have to enjoy this and Bordalas have to has to take advantage of this because it's very difficult to turn a team around in such a manner as the way he's doing so. Um, and he's going to try to capitalize on, on the way the team is behaving and they have an incredible chance of proving so once again uh, next uh, match day against Real Madrid in a Mestalla stadium which have, will have an incredible atmosphere even though the restrictions because of the COVID-19 are still in place. But uh, we expect an incredible night uh, on Sunday and that game against Real Madrid possibly will test Valencia's uh, current state to a realistic point uh, because the games against Osasuna, Alaves, Granada ultimately are against teams which surely or possibly will be 
uh, from the half of the table to the bottom and fighting between that 10th place and the relegation spots. Uh, and long may the streak last, frankly, Paco. I, I can't wait for the Real Madrid game. I think it's going to be a fantastic fixture. If that doesn't get you going, then I, I think you need to, to reassess your views on, on football. But I'll thank you for your time, Paco. As always, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Super happy to be able to uh, talk about uh, Valencia and Levante and surely we'll have an incredible show uh, this week. Gracias and back to you, Matt. Thanks very much for that, Paco. Indeed, some, uh, some tougher fixtures ahead for Valencia starting with Real Madrid next week. So after the break, we're going to hear what happened when Real Madrid returned to the Santiago Bernabeu. Stay tuned. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. Still to come, we've got chat on Real Madrid, Athletic Club, and all the rest of the action, as well as our moments of the weekend, and of course, MVP. But now, as they returned to the Santiago Bernabeu after 560 days away, Real Madrid back on their home patch. And we're hearing now from Hassan Karim. But first, some commentary of the new fans' favourite, Vinny Jr. Vini, mano a mano, Vini, mano a mano, Vini, chuta, gol, 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 gol. ¿Cómo ha mejorado, por Dios? Gol, 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 gol. Ancelotti se mete en el campo. I'm here now with a very happy Hassan Karim. Hass, last time you were on the pod, it was after that incredible Levante game, 3-3. And this one had even more goals, seven of them, but this time five for Real. What a performance. What do you make of that? Um, I mean, in the last episode when we spoke, uh, when I spoke about Levante, I likened it to that Toy Story quote from Buzz Lightyear, and said we're falling in style. This time, I liken it to Rocky and say, like, you, if you get held down, you get punched down and stuff like that, get up and and hit it back essentially. And that's what Real did in this game, which was nice to see. Um, you know, they got up. Uh, you know, like a Rocky gets up off the canvas and cracks Apollo Creed a few times. This is exactly what they did, and then just overwhelmed them. Um, yeah, I mean, they had to come from behind twice, didn't they? Not once, literally. but twice. <laughs> Santimino really spoiled the party at the Bernabeu with that goal inside four minutes. Mm. And then Real reacted quite well. They were on the front foot straight away. The equaliser came. And then they were hit again. So it's 2-1 at the break. And you're thinking this could be a you know tricky second half. But what a, what a second half performance. Vinicius, Benzema with a hat-trick. And a debut from Camavinga. Just so many positives. What is your, what is your take from all of that? Who stood out most for you? Uh, I'd have to really go with Vinicius, which is weird considering the Benzema scored a hat trick. That's that's probably quite a rare occurrence where you'll actually overshadow a player who scored a hat trick. But Vinicius was absolutely brilliant in this game. Uh, just he really just took the game by the scruff of the neck, and he had Levante just really shaken every time he was on the ball. They just didn't know what to do with him. Uh, whether he turned up on the left or the right or down the middle, his energy was incredible. Um, you know, he was direct. He was brave. Um, that clinical finish, of course, as well. Which, as he was literally right in front of the keeper, I sat there just like, I'm not sure which way this is going to go. He's either going to get that right perfectly, or he's going to spoon it out wide. You just don't quite know, but this season he seems to really have turned the corner in that sense. And the celebration, poor. 
was brilliant. Loved it. <laughs> yeah, those scenes in the crowd. Let's hope he um, comes back with a nice uh, COVID check. Yeah, absolutely. Get that lateral flow just um, checked out. <laughs> yeah, it just shows the emotion of the game, though, doesn't it? And what it means for him. He clearly loves playing for Real Madrid. He always makes a point of kissing the badge when he scores. And he's clearly determined to really give everything for the team. And I think this season we've seen that with Ancelotti. He's given him extra confidence. And his finishing is clearly improving. He's already scored four in La Liga, which is already a personal best. Now, of course, that isn't a massive number. But the way he is, is the form he's showing. He could easily reach double figures, no? Yeah, no, I, I, I always say, you know, Valencia has got really high ceiling. He's always had a really high ceiling. It was just a consistency which always lacked. And it seems he seems to have found that consistency now uh, where he, he can put the ball in and he can bring end products that sort of X-factor glimpses and flashes kind of thing that he had before. Uh, and, you know, you see it through, especially through Madrid Twitter for the longest time, we've all been saying when, it lear- when he learns to finish, it's over for everyone. And it seems he's learned to finish and that, that can be very dangerous for... You know, opposing sides because he always he's always had that X factor brilliance on the ball. We always knew he had that trickery, but it, as we said, he just lacked the end product. You know, he wouldn't pick the right pass, or he'd always screw up the easy finishes. Um, but now he seems so poised and so calm in front of goal. Um, yeah, I don't see why not. Oh, why, why not have double digits in goals in his list this season? Why not? Certainly an achievable target, I think. We've spoken about the positives. Let's talk about maybe a couple of things to to for Carlo Ancelotti to think about as we head in towards a busy period of games. They did concede twice again. They have conceded six goals already in the league this mm-hmm. season. It's definitely a change from the, the security of Zidane's back four. Obviously, we know that they've lost Laurent and Ramos. Um, how do you see that going going forward? Do you think you'll be able to outscore every team you come up against? This is the question I've been asking pretty much every week, and I'm pretty sure I said it on the first episode as well during the previews. Is, is it possible for Carlo to bring back that um, that mantra he had in the original tenure when he had you know the BBC at full you know full pump, you know you score two, we'll score five, literally today in that case. Um, and I, I did wonder, can he do that this time around? You know, Ronaldo's gone, Bale's still you know here and there, not quite what he was. Um, Eden Hazard's still finding his feet. Benzema obviously is contributing as he always always does. I think he's got nine goal contributions in four games. Um, and Vinicius again was always a bit of a question mark. So we've seen they have essentially been the entertainers of the league so far for the first four games, especially yeah. on the front foot. Um, but as you said, conceding quite a lot. Um, so I, I expected it to be the case. Did expect it to be the case. Whether he can continue to do that against you know the sterner, tougher defenses, you know like your Atletico Madrid, you know those kind of guys. Can you keep that going? Uh, I'm not sure just yet. I don't think you can firmly say yes or no to that yet. I think we still need a bit more time just to see consistency and difference of opponent. One thing I do take a note from, though, is we seem to be a lot better against low blocks now than we were under Zidane. Um, just because there's a, a bit more emphasis on making runs, I feel. Um, and I've noticed this as well. Carlo Ancelotti is a hell of a lot more animated this time around. I feel he's a bit more ruthless than he was in that first mm. tenure. He doesn't paint that cool composed trigger on the touch on you see him waving his hands around shouting and having you know quite stern reactions uh yeah it certainly seems like him. he yeah it certainly seems like he doesn't want to be the kind of will outscore you kind of thing he does want to keep that solidity at the back yeah but as you say time will tell whether he can improve on that um, but overall i think uh, as we say that the south america players coming back fede valverde's engine is seemingly infinite and yeah. uh, a debut for Camavinga and a goal inside six minutes. And, and Modric rolling back 
for years. He's he just gets better and better, Unbelievable. doesn't he? So I think I think a, a very a pretty solid performance overall. Very exciting for the fans. Are you favourites for the league? It's tough, isn't it? Because Atletico Madrid have got that seriously good squad depth, and that's it. It is seriously good. Um, you know, despite the fact he did have a stinker today, Griezmann, you know, coming back is useful. You know, they got uh, Rodrigo de Paul, who was a very, very good purchase. You know, I really, you know, commended that one because I think he's a very Simeone player, and we've seen already he does really add to that side. Uh, and they just they have a lot of strength in numbers, and I feel Madrid aren't thin. They're not. It's not a thin squad. But it doesn't have that same level of depth that Atletico has. A lot stronger than Barca's squad. But in comparison to Atletico, still some way behind. But if they can keep scoring like that, um, yeah, I, I see us definitely up there, you know, punching with Atletico all the way through to the end of the, you know, the season like we did last year. It's just a case of whether we can stop making the silly mistakes. I mean, both goals in this game came from mistakes. Um, Probably should have conceded another one um, with Carval making that sloppy. I think it was Carval playing that sloppy pass back. Um, mm. Pass had a chance and Nolito second half. So there yeah, were a few moments. Yeah, so there, there were some moments where would a more clinical side have punished them for that? So, mm. you know, those questions well, are perhaps, still there. Perhaps we'll know this week. It's a big week for Real Madrid. They have Inter Milan in the Champions League, which comes back. And then next weekend, top of the table clash, Valencia. Yeah, who are so, also flying. Exciting week ahead. They yeah, are. They are it's going to be a nervous week ahead for sure. I mean, Inter are scoring, you know, for fun. In a similar kind of stance to what we are now. Scoring and conceding. And Valencia are kind of the same scoring and somewhat conceding. Uh, probably mm. not at the same rate, but they are, you know, two sides that are probably just going to go tooth and nail at it. Um, but I think it was important for Madrid to get the win today. You know, I can't imagine it was an easy affair going back to the Bernabeu. In front of the crowd, you can imagine the jitters were probably there. So to get that kind of win, win the crowd on side, and you know there were players also who did you know keep the crowd on side. Like uh, Hazard got a standing ovation as he went off. Good performance from him as well. So it's these little sort of confidence boosts that are just going to be huge for those for those moments. I think. Yeah, a very happy return to the Bernabeu for Real Madrid on Sunday night. Thank you very much for joining us, Hass. Enjoy the rest of the week and hopefully you'll be um, celebrating many more Karen Benzema goals. Let's hope so, Pachichi season and I've already put the Ballon d'Or propaganda out on Twitter so maybe <laughs> check that one. <laughs> Cheers, Hash. No worries. Thanks, Hass. As you can tell, he was absolutely ecstatic with that performance and result. But a big week ahead for Carlo Ancelotti's men. Now we're going to turn to the north of Spain and another club that has had a very successful start to the season, albeit slightly under the radar. So we're going to shine the spotlight on them now and we're going to hear from Benya. He gives us the lowdown on Athletic Club. I'm joined now by Benyat Gutierrez. He's an Athletic fan and he saw the game on Saturday night as Athletic won their second game in a row to maintain their unbeaten start to their La Liga season. Benyat, what did you think of the game? It was uh, not probably the best game for Athletic uh, if we look at the whole game, 
but they showed how solid they can be under Marcelino, that the plan is working quite well. And I think one of the keys uh, for this uh, performance for Athletic is how uh, well they are working defensively, how difficult it is to actually take a shot against Athletic. It's been very difficult for all their rivals, no matter who was in front of them. And I think uh, even if it wasn't the best game, for example, for players like Muniain that struggled during the game, he was uh, really important on the key moments of the game. And then again, we saw Iñaki Williams scoring that I think that's going to be really important for the season because when you think about Williams and kind of uh, think uh, how he's seen in Bilbao, there's always this noise about he not being a high scorer, which which is true. He's not the, the kind of guy who's going to give you over 20 goals a season, but he can. Uh, he's very important for the team. He's one of those players that we actually need to find how to, to make him um, work well within the team. And the fact that he scored already two goals this season is going to make him uh, stronger mentally. He's very happy with his 300 games. And in general, I think Athletic performed quite great during the game, but was... Uh, well was on point on the key moments of the of the game. Yeah, you mentioned Iñaki there, it was a landmark performance, his 300th game for the club. He's also on this incredible run of 199 consecutive La Liga matches, very close to the record now, and he will surely get there in a few weeks. But you you wrote in our uh, pre-season preview, you mentioned that uh, he needs to contribute more goals to really help the team, because as we know, they're always solid defensively, but it is just that goal-scoring touch. Do you think now with two in his last two that he can really kick on and, and register double figures for goals this year? I don't think he's going to go on crazy figures because he's not that kind of player. And it's, it's one of the problems uh, that's been in Bilbao to evaluate what Iñaki Williams is. I will say that he's actually an underrated player here, uh, sometimes over-criticized. Um, the, the thing about his salary always comes on every discussion about the player, being like he's overpaid, stuff like that. That comes also with other players because I think it's a very Bilbao thing to think uh, that other players are not good enough for, do, for the money they are making. But uh, we need to understand how he plays. We need to understand that he is not uh, the substitute of a player like Aduriz or something like that. He's very different. He uh, plays. Uh, he needs more space. He needs uh, the the team probably to to find in different ways. He can play uh, with the, with the goal on his back. But he can uh, he can give a lot of things to the team that he actually does every game. He's very important, and it's impossible uh, to not count him as one of the best players in the in the team and sometimes I feel uh, some fans some supporters are quite unfair with him. Mm. Well, we talked about the defensive record as well. He was the, actually open the scoring, Daniel Vivian, another young centre-back coming through the academy and he's part of that defence that's only conceded one goal in their first four games. So with that solidity and with uh, Munyain and Iñaki starting to link up very well, how far do you think Athletic can go this season? Well, that's, that's a pretty good question. Um, first of all, I think Athletic is having uh, or is dealing with the same problems uh, Athletic was dealing last year. And Marcelino knows that. Um, there's this uh, problem with scoring goals that is still the team struggles. And there's a problem with creativity in the midfield. Um, but I think Marcelino is looking for different options. Um, first of all, he's uh, trying with uh, that uh, uh, partnership between Williams and Sanzet. Sanzet wasn't playing yesterday because he was injured, but it seems that he earned the spot over Raul Garcia and that that's going to be um, the, the usual thing uh, along the season. 
and then he's giving uh, other options in the midfield, like players like Benzedor that seem to be also they play Benzedor played last last year, but uh, he's having more minutes. He seems like the usual starter right now. Zarraga is getting also more minutes, so he's trying to find different profiles of midfielders to kind of solve that problem about the creativity. Uh, people is not happy with uh, Dani Garcia. Uh, sometimes that problem about the Garcias uh, come up again. But he is a player that has full confidence from Marcelino and he's gonna stay there again. And the thing is that uh, sometimes uh, the, the team um, struggles in those uh, two scenarios in the, in the midfield and uh, scoring goals. But we are seeing something that people was asking Marcelino. It was like he, he was asked to renew the team. He was asking to give more minutes to players from the academy. And that's happening. As I said, we have Benzedor as a starter right now, we have Zara with more minutes, we're seeing Sunset also on the regular seeming to be the starter partner with uh, Iñaki Williams and we're also getting minutes for uh, the other of the Williams like Nico, very exciting player that uh, I th uh, we have a lot of hope on, on and expectations on him this this year and, and also seeing players like Nico Serrano who also played uh, yesterday and you mentioned Danny Vivian People is going crazy about him here in Bilbao, <laughs> and I understand perfectly why. 22, I was reading yesterday, like, oh, he's a legend, uh, he's a future captain, and I was like, okay, let's relax. Calm but he looks, yeah, but he looks like an amazing player, and uh, he's, he's proving a lot. And, and let's see what happens when Gerai is available again for Marcelino, because um, actually, Vivian is setting a very, very uh, high tone, he's playing very well, and it's going to be very difficult for. Uh, Gerai or for, for Unai to take him out of that position. He's working really well with Inigo. Yeah, absolutely. Some very encouraging signs at the start of this season for Athletic Club. Thank you very much, Benyat, for joining me today and uh, we look forward to speaking to you later in the season. Whenever you want, mate. I'm very happy to be on the show. Thank you. Thanks to Benyat for the lowdown from Bilbao. Now, Atletico Madrid, they left it very late in Cornea to win their game against Espanyol 2-1. 99th minute winner from Tom Alemar. And as Mr Chip said, it is the latest ever goal to win a game in La Liga. Rory, they got it done in the end, but uh, they made it hard for themselves, didn't they? Absolutely. In true Atleti fashion, they, they did suffer and they did win. I thought... I, I will give a sort of wee mention to Sergi Darder, who I thought was really impressive in midfield in the first half, and even in the second half, he managed to put his foot on the ball when Espanyol needed it. But it was also partly down to the fact that there was very little of Atleti's midfield to deal with, in the sense that although Marcos Llorente is there, he's not always positioned in the centre of the park, as Coque is, but even he himself is neither a holding midfielder or sort of necessarily yeah designed to play there on his own and so i thought you thought saw a really sort of marked improvement in atleti when condogby and lamar came on and simeone fair play to him he managed to correct it he managed to get it right but he did get it wrong initially for me and i think finding the balance for this atleti team is gonna really be his main task because with all those attackers on the field it just it was too too top heavy Mm, it seemed like he had all these shiny new toys and he just wanted to throw them on all at once. Um, as a Barca fan, it must be uh, 
must be interesting to see Antoine Griezmann play again for Atleti. How did you see his first game back? Not great, to be perfectly honest. I think uh, it was a performance that was familiar to many Barcelona fans in the sense that he, he worked hard, he, he tried to do his job, but just wasn't not necessarily effective. But yeah, he didn't play a major role in the game and he didn't look comfortable in his position, I have to say. And that's that. I mean, Simeone has to find a role for him and it's very early days. I'm not saying he won't, but that kind of performance was the reason that many Barcelona fans, I don't think, will be too gutted to see him, uh, to see him leave. I will say there was a bit of controversy about the timing of the goal, which was very late, Matt. Indeed, and uh, an interesting report coming out on Spanish radio, Partidas of Cope, this evening. Um, it says that some of the Spanish uh, first and second division teams had actually asked uh, the chief of referees, Velasco Carballo, to actually extend the matches by longer. Um, we saw Pellegrini moan about all the time wasting that he felt Cadiz were doing a few weeks ago. And it seems that they've, they've agreed to those demands. And uh, according to this, 17 of the La Liga games this season already have exceeded 97 minutes. So this is going to be a bit more of an ongoing trend, I think, isn't it? Definitely. And most fans, I think, are in agreement that we don't want to be robbed of football and we don't mind time being added on. But as I'm sure many people who perhaps didn't want Atleti to win today will point out, as long as it's consistent, as long as it's the same for everyone, nobody will complain. And... At this point, I'm not sure we've seen that just yet. Yeah, consistency is the key. Well, there's there's three winless sides that we've seen uh, in action this weekend. Espanyol, as we've just seen uh, one of them. Another is Cadiz. They lost 2-0 to Real Sociedad. And as well, Celta. We've heard about all about Real Madrid's win there, but uh, Celta on the receiving end of that 5-2. Rory, what's your take on these three sides in particular? Have they got similar problems or, or do you think they're, they're going to be able to solve it? I think Espanyol will be okay. They just need to sort themselves out in both boxes for me. And I think Vicente Moreno maybe needs to be a little bit less conservative because he does have talent to do more with that team. Gary, for me, I don't feel like Silvero will be worried by certain start. And I think against Real Betis, they looked really, really good. This game was just perhaps a little bit too much for them and they were beaten by a fantastic goal. I think Alex Elustondo's ball was amazing. I know Oyarzabal's header to meet it was pretty good as well. And then Celta, they're just, they're so finely balanced. When they're on it, when they're right, they can they can rip anyone apart. And they did, in parts against Real Madrid, go through them. But when you rely so much on one or two key pieces, like Renato Tapia, then it's liable to come crumbling down and you really leave yourself vulnerable. And I think Chacho Caudet really needs to sort of think about that and try and try and find a way to make this team more solid because you can't you can't outscore teams every week yes finally balanced indeed for Celta now let's turn to our moment of the week Rory what have you gone with for me it's it's nothing particularly notable other than the fact that it was Raul de Tomas who scored for me the perfect near post header it was absolutely brilliant and all black not often he doesn't die for something because he knows he's not getting there, but this was right inside the far post. So that was my moment. What about you, Matt? I've gone for uh, Sergi Guardiola getting that last gasp equaliser for Rayo at Levante. We've heard from Paco all about that game, of course, but uh, for me, it just it was a real good moment for Rayo. They were they were really good in this game. They deserved the draw, I think, and uh, it was just so nice to see them get that in the end. A couple of changes from 
and Donny Yaleola made the difference. Bebe with the assist, and of course, uh, Sergio Guardiola doesn't score many goals, but this one was an emphatic finish into the roof of the net, and uh, the celebrations were rightly euphoric. Now it's time for MVP, and Rory, I'm going to ask you for your three or, or your picks for this week. Yannick Carrasco, for me, made the difference. I think without him, Atleti don't win this game. Firstly, for his endeavour. Secondly, for his skill. So he's on the list. Gonzalo Getsch is just magic. I love watching him. And anyone who's not been watching Valencia at the start of the season, it's worth it for him alone. And then Vinny Jr. as well. He's, he's also electric and just really enjoying his football in a minute. And I think he's on his way to becoming the player that he has the potential to be and that's that's a pretty exciting prospect if you're a Madrid fan what about yourself Matt? Oh, there's some great candidates there for me I'm going to go with a couple of Basques I thought Ike Munyain he wasn't perhaps his best free-flowing and open play but for me he was still decisive in Athletic's win with those two assists for both goals as they, they saw that win over Mallorca and again for me Mikel Ayatabal he was the difference once again for El Sociedad He's the captain, he's the leader, he's played all through the summer. I know he had a break with Spain recently, but uh, he just he just hasn't hasn't let up at all. He's so decisive, he's already scored four goals this season. I know they have the Alexanders up front, but for me, he's still the main man. And uh, again, you can't leave Karim Benzema out <laughs> with a hat-trick. His sixth for Real Madrid, first in two years. You, you just have to have him in the conversation. It was a, another phenomenal performance from him. Not just a hat-trick, but another assist as well. He really is the leader for that team and, and something that Carlo is really building around. So he's got to be in the conversation, I think. There's some six really strong candidates there. It's going to be quite hard to decide in the final four, but that is what we will do. So stay tuned to the Twitter for, uh, for that vote on Monday. It'll be out as will this podcast. So make sure you follow us, La Liga Lowdown, on Twitter for that. That's just about a wrap for this podcast then. Thank you very much, Rory, for joining me. Thank you. A pleasure as always, Matt. Perfect. And thanks again to Benyat, to Paco and to Hassan for their views, opinions and insights on those matches. And of course, thank you to you, listener, for being with us all the way. We've got European football coming up this week. Big week of Champions League, Europa League, Spanish sides involved in some big games. Stay tuned for that. We'll be on La Liga Lowdown on Twitter. Keep an eye on our content on the website as well, laligalodan.com. And uh, we look forward to seeing you and speaking to you again very soon. Thanks very much. Tiempo de descuento, cielo de Valencia, levante uno, rayo cero, ataca el rayo, viene bebé, chuta, fútbol del rayo. Merecido. Gol, gol, gol.